Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rickert, your host. Hey, thanks for joining me today. St. Catherine of Siena said that if you become who you are, that you would literally set the world on fire. And St. Athanasius, an early church father and the doctor of the church, said the Son of God became man so that we might become God. You know, I make a wild guess at this, but I bet you most of us are a bit disconnected from this divine life that these saints are pointing us to. Yet St. John Paul II said there's an echo of the story of this divine life that we're created for inscribed in each human heart, in your human heart. And if you put on the proper lens, if I put on the proper lens, we can get in touch with this echo within us in such a way that we have that aha moment. See, that's the genius of John, St. John Paul II's theology of the body. It connects our lived experience of life to the gospel in such a way that our life takes on a whole new meaning and helps us answer those big questions that our whole culture is so confused about today. Who am I? What's my purpose? Why were we created male and female? How do I find happiness here on earth? How do I find love that satisfies forever? Hey, glad you're with me. I'll be right back for today's episode. I'm back with Linda Piper, and we are getting ready to record number 20. If you're following us, a man and woman, he created them. This is knowledge and procreation, knowledge and procreation. We're actually going to cover 20 and 21 if you're following us in there, because we thought 21 kind of gets into the depth of where we're going with this, because it's quite a mystery that we're entering into. You know, we live on the surface of things today, and and this this uh, our love has been reduced, the word love has been reduced to a feeling and further reduced to this act, and this act is is a is a quandary right now. It's it's really a meaningless act, just like marriage has been redefined, and it can almost be meaningless. We're going to be talking about the opposite today, the deep mystery of this. To know a person and to know yourself is such a deep level that it's almost beyond comprehension, especially with um, our modern culture. We've gone so far away from this. But this love that we're talking about uh, reciprocally in the beginning, Jesus brings us into a love story that's so intimate, so profound, so beautiful. And that's really our attraction. And that's really our, our bodies uh, given over as a sacramental sign, as a created sacramental sign, reflecting Trinitarian love in the world. Our bodies and our creation as man and woman were actually created to bring holiness and goodness into the world, to be an infusion of God's holiness, love, and goodness in the world. And man, we've walked away from that, haven't we, Linda? We certainly have. Um, it's very nice to be back with you, Jack. And as I was preparing for this, I was once again amazed at the depth of the beauty of what God planned for us. And yeah, we've walked so, so far away from it that it is almost heartbreaking. And um, it's seen very much in the chaos that is going on in our culture today and the misunderstanding of marriage and the sexual union and the bad fruit from so much misunderstanding of the issues of abortion and transgenderism. So there's just so much there that it can be overwhelming at times if you stop and think about it. And one of the things right in the beginning of number 20 here that the Pope has asked us to do is to get back to that original innocence for a moment that he's encouraging us to find the link 
between that original innocence and the fallen state that we find ourselves in because he insists that there's continuity and a connection. And we've talked before that we recognize that connection in the form of what we've called an echo, that there's an echo in our hearts that we all know is there, we all sense that there's something more, there's something better, that mystery is there. And the Pope says it truly is there and let me help you find that connection. So he's asking us there to consider that and then goes into his final analysis, he calls it, on what happened with Adam and Eve in their knowledge of each other and the generation of Cain and Abel and so on. So that's what we're going to get into. And chapter four is the, is the beginning of the fall, but it's an interesting thing. It's that the man had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. And you see again what we would call an echo now from generation to generation. But but uh, Eve was very clear on this. She understood that God was still there. God was part of, of this when she when when she got pregnant with Cain, that God was there. And even though in that fallen state she knew that I, you know, it's the same thing with my children when they were born. You know, I had come away from the church for a, a period there, but I still knew something miraculous was happening. Uh, when my wife, when I would put my hand on my wife's stomach and I felt that life moving around. And when that baby was born, you know, you know, something incredible has happened there. And there's some knowledge of, of my wife and myself and this newborn that, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, is something that's so profound, so wild. And so, um, John Paul calls it this, the fatherhood and motherhood is the human meaning of knowledge where we really came into a relationship like nothing that ever happens in your life, I don't think, or, or will happen again as that profound um, time where a new baby is being brought into a family structure. It, it, it really is something special that happened there. Right. And Jack, you know, as we look at what's going on in our culture and the misunderstandings, um, I ran across an article that actually was addressing the issue of abortion as resting on a bed of lies. And, and it makes very interesting points. But one of the points it talks about here is going back a ways to the 90s when um, the TV show Sex in the City was on and it became very popular. And kind of the message that that was sending is that women... Um, we're now going to enjoy this freedom that apparently men have always had for um, personal empowerment and sexual pleasure. And yet the author of this article is saying that was a concept, you know, that we've been living with for a long time. And yet in the real world, as she was counseling women who were, um, it, this would be college age women who were involved with short-term commitments, what we might call the hookup culture. She said that they tried very hard in reporting their unhappiness and actually kind of having to contort themselves emotionally and mentally in an attempt to drain sex of its deeper meaning. Mm. And to me, that speaks that of that echo that we know that the sexual union has a very deep meaning, 
all the way to the core of who we are, and that it has a meaning beyond just anything that our culture is telling us it does. And we know that. And so to um, every woman in particular who has experienced that there's something there more, I think they all know that this call to motherhood is a part of it. And yet in our culture, we're trying very hard to say, no, that's got nothing to do with it. And I think the Pope does such a wonderful job at helping us see how it all relates. And as you just said, there's, it's, I think it's a universal experience when that baby is in the womb and starts kicking and the father and mother are experience all of that. You just know deep within your heart that a miracle is happening all the way to the birth of the baby. And to me, that speaks so much to, in our hearts, we know that the meaning of that union is our call to fatherhood and motherhood and that deep mystery of sharing that with each other as husband and wife. And that something else is there and that mystery of creation, as Eve said, I've created a man with the help of the Lord. We all know that, that that baby has been created body and soul, and that we are not capable of producing that soul, that in fact, it is the Lord who does that. And so it all kind of comes together and I think reaches at us as at a very deep core level. In addition to, uh, you know, this procreative act where it, the two become one can become three. John Paul says that, that, you know, there is a real depth of knowledge between the man and the woman that the two really become one flesh that we, you know, we walked away from the awe and wonder of the mystery of the sign. But I know, you know, again, from personal experience that something happens, you cross a line uh, with conjugal relationship, with, with a marital embrace, right? The marital sexual relations. You cross the line there. Something has happened between the two of you. The problem we have in this broken world is, is we just don't allow ourselves to go into that mystery of the person. Somehow we want to live on the surface and think that this was just a pleasurable, like you said, pleasurable experience. It doesn't take us much, though, to open ourselves up and especially uh, when the two become one, when when we are not contracepting. I remember my wife and I wanted to have a child as soon as possible. So we were open for, for it right off the bat when we were married. And man, there's something special, really powerful that happens between two people that are open to life and know that life can be a possibility there, that people that, that contracept or that are um, sterile and, and look at we, and, and I want, my heart goes out to all of us because we've all been lied to about this. And, and so I don't want anybody to take this or put themselves on the defense because we came into a broken world and, and we're doing things to ourselves and to each other that, that, you know, it, it's just when you look back on it, you get into a prayer and a sacramental life, you look back and you go, oh, my God, I was with a group of men. I was given a talk at a men's uh, uh, gathering, and I, I talked to a group of guys afterwards, and they said they guys that married 20 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years that said they still wake up sometimes or they're driving along and they have these flashbacks of of inappropriate relationships 
and they say it still bothers them to today, you know, that, that, you know, this takes, and they said, not from a look, look, they know they've been forgiven for this. You know, these are images that come back in and flood back into their minds and they know not to, you know, not to, to, to beat themselves up, but still they look at those images and say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I really see the, the real horror behind using somebody just for this hookup culture. Like you said, I think, you know, you look back on those things and I know there's, you know, basketball players that bragged about, you know, I, I, you know, I had a thousand women or whatever, something's happening to their heart. You know, something really is twisted and deadened uh, to a man's heart when he can say that and have no repercussions about that. I I don't know, you know, John Paul would call it mysterium uh, inequitatis, which is the mystery of evil. And it's just a, uh, when you've pushed the good so far out of your heart, you know, um, evil is really the absence of the good. And in the beginning, this act was to bring, again, what I said in the beginning, to bring God's goodness, his holiness, his love into the world. And we've walked so far away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've trained, you know, we've just got rid of our virtues, you know, and, and we've right. dug our, we've, John Paul would say, we've just got into a very dark place, you know, and that's what we're living out of. And and Jesus even, you know, talked about that with the Pharisees when he said it was because of their hardness of hearts that mm. Moses had allowed divorce. And, you know, we could say the same thing about us, that it, it is a very real hardness of heart. Where the um, we've, we've closed off to that deep core and that essence. The Pope, in fact, says that that knowledge, that conjugal union is in fact the deepest essence of the re- of shared married life. And so if I'm not in a situation as the people that you mentioned, you know, having many, many partners, there's no shared married life going on there. And so um, there's been just a total distortion and perversion of that deepest essence, it, it's lost, it's been closed off. And that is part of the identity problem that we're feeling because it's very much a part of the meaning of my human body. And that conjugal union is a very specific way to give myself as gift to the other. And based on our human nature, we know we couldn't possibly do that to a thousand different people. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, our bodies are created in such a way with our masculinity and femininity that when you start to think about our sexuality and a man's body doesn't make sense, say, without a woman's body and vice versa, that sign is actually a sign of self-giving love. That's that sign, this, you know, that, that you know, pornography is twisted so uh just so in the opposite direction was a sign of self-giving love that my body was created to express love. And I saw an interview just the other day with two women. It was on mainstream, um, mainstream. Uh, it was a news show. And these two women, young women were being interviewed. At least one of them, if not both of them was, um, were not married and, and did, did not have a, a child. And this woman that I, that really, again, my heart went out to was unmarried young woman and, and didn't have any children and was so upset over Roe versus Wade, which mm-hmm. is again, it just bring it back to the state, right? It hasn't outlawed abortion. 
but it's amazing the reaction you get from young women today, again, then the, the opposite spectrum that don't understand what we're talking about. And so these are real pains. So what she said was both of those women are going to be sterilized. They both want to be sterilized. Mm-hmm. They want to be made infertile. And I, you, know, you think to yourself, here's a 20, early 20 something year old woman hasn't fallen in love yet has been in a number of different relationships, but is afraid to get pregnant. And so she's going to, she said, I never want children. And now this really makes me angry and I'm just going to go in to get sterilized. And so was the other woman. And you think, oh my gosh, you know what, you know, if there was an enemy that was out to destroy humanity, what would he do? You know, he would make sure that we were, that every one of those acts as is, it renders it infertile that there is no life, there is no divine life shared. And that's really what we've come down to in our culture. And, and we need yeah. to be redeemed. You know, our sexuality, everybody's sexuality, uh, LBGTQ, it doesn't matter where you fall on that spectrum. Uh, all of us need to be redeemed from that standpoint. And we, and it's not about just about a pornographic culture. It's about love. It's about authentic love. Right, right. And, and the devil is aim right at our fertility, because that is the life-giving part of how we image God. Um, Our sexual union procreation, it's intimately linked with our creation in the image of God. And clearly our culture has lost that idea, which would make it possible for these young women to totally separate their fertility and that life-giving gift that we have been given from uh, any anything else that uh, you know they they just it's not important it's scary all those kinds of things and you can see where the devil has really <laughs> in my view had a heyday in that field but you know part of it too is that um, there's this lack of understanding of that sh- sexual intimacy. Um, being really a very deep experience of interpersonal unity. When we talk about that, we have to circle right back to the idea of persons and the fact that if I'm giving myself as a gift, I am giving that, that total I of who I am. And I need to know who I am in order to be able to do that. And we've talked before um, I think, you know, sometimes when we mention love and responsibility, where the Pope had written that even before his great work of Theology of the Body, and he really looked at um, the person and has said that we're each unique and totally unrepeatable. And that means that the core of who I am, there's no other person like me and never will be another one like me again. And when I understand that each and every person has that core of who they are as a person, um, there's an unrepeatability there that I would keep in mind. So the way it kind of plays out here in our discussion, I thought it was interesting in uh, Christopher West's discussion, he helps us understand that if we understand that we love 
the person and we get past just what we would call the, the, the attributes of the person, the way they look and the way they talk and even their personality and all those things, all of those are repeatable in a sense because, um, you know, many of us have brown eyes or blue eyes and all those things do repeat. But the core of who the person is does not repeat. It's totally unique. And when I am loving my spouse with an understanding of his repeat unrepeatability, then and only then can our union be at a level that builds our marriage on a very stable foundation. And, you know, I read that a couple of times when Christopher had described it that way. And I thought if you, if you think about um, why there's so many problems in marriages and the total chaos with relationships in our culture, it's because generally we don't understand at all that we're dealing with persons at their deepest level. And it's only when I get to that level that that is when I become a gift to that one person. Is that making sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I mean, if if I'm going to be a gift of self, a depth of self, to give myself away, I want to know not only who I am, but who that other person is, right? This unrepeatable, right. unique person. Only then do you have this bond that's strong enough to keep us uh, forever, and and there's this is a sign, a small, tiny taste of the intimacy God wants with us. You know, as, as many people as he loves, he loves us each as this unrepeatable person that he he was part of this creation with uh, Adam and Eve and with each one of us as he enters into our uh, every single child that's born, you know, every ch single child. And these are eternal human beings. But we've walked away so far from the mystery that I'm sure while we're talking, there are people listening. They go, oh, my gosh, we're, I'm so disconnected from that. And I think you have to get down on your knees and pray and get into the sacraments again to understand how much God loves you. And, I, and this is a sacramental sign. This is a tiny little taste of the intimacy God wants with us. Only when we're open to that are we able to discover the mystery of God who loves within each of those people. You know, when Cain was created with the help of God, um, you know, God is in essence in that act. And, and we are called to be temples of the Holy Spirit, to be actually, um, God is actually filled within us. And when we, when we go to the depths of another person, we're actually seeing the mystery of that person in union and communion with God. And we're really searching in a way for our eternal life our eternal being, the source of all eternity, and we enter into this beautiful relationship and, and it allows us the potential not only to enter into a union, a communion, a little tiny taste of God's call it to, to union and communion with us and one another, but also to bring eternal beings into the world that are going to be there forever. It's right. it's amazing. you know. And, and, I'll, and, and I'll just go to the opposite of this again. One other image that comes to mind, there was a young girl that I saw on a video that when she was 15 or 16, she had top surgery, which means her breasts were removed because she thought she was going to be a boy. And her parents allowed this. And, and of course, the surgeons did the operation. She's looking back now. She's only 21 or 22 years old. And she's sitting in a chair. And she's saying, I'll never be able to breastfeed 
my baby. Mm-hmm. And because I took puberty blockers and some cross-sex hormones, I don't even know if I'm fertile or not. You know, it, it does produce infertility over time. I mean, that's one uh, hallmark of, of these um, hormones. And, but even if I did, I, could, I would never be able to breastfeed. I mean, here's a young girl, 21, 22, that's angry with her parents. What parent allows someone to do this? But we've fallen so far for this. I mean, you know, how could parents fall for this? I, it blows my mind. You know, I, I see, um, you know, actors uh, in Hollywood that are outspoken about this, that want to um, that want to walk with their children into a, a transitioning period. And these kids are, are 9, 10, 11 years old. And I think, wh- what it, where's a parent's heart? You know, how hardened is their heart to look at a young child and think that God made a huge mistake and and they are no longer, but, but what happens, I think is they, they see that these young people have this echo of this beauty inside of them, but they're so disconnected and they see the horror of what we've become in this culture and using and and abusing one another. I think that they feel an unrest and uneasiness and, and, and uh, they don't know about the gospel. They don't know about the story we're unpacking. And that uneasiness is easily sold to them as maybe you're in the wrong body. I mean, it's absurd when you think about it, but this is the, the, the state of evil when good is taken out, right? And the devil doesn't have his own clay. He could only distort the clay that God gave us, right? The bodies God gave us. He's, he doesn't create anything, but he can distort that. And oh my gosh, we, if we allow it, um, really, yeah, it's really a sadness that well, can happen. You know, and I think on the part of parents, most parents love their children and they want to do the best they can in raising their children. But when we have reached a point in a culture where we're so confused about what does it mean to love what is love? And we know we've defined it classically that it's willing the good of the other. And so now here's a parent seeing this confused child and being confused themselves on so many of the issues, they're going to say, well, if, if uh, allowing my kids the puberty blockers and doing, going down that path is what the child wants, and I love this child, well, maybe that's what we should do. And you can see how it's a total misunderstanding, actually, of what love is, and will then make the choice that turns out to be the opposite of love. Yeah. And they're told just to add to your story, they're told that if they don't go along with this by very, if they get the wrong therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist, that, that, that child uh, has a good chance of committing suicide. So Mm -hmm. they are told that if you don't go along with this, that your child could commit suicide and that will be on you. That's a lot of pressure to be put on a parent. That's why I think it's so good to just talk about this stuff because you realize, you know, the the suicide rates for people that are, are have trans have uh, really uh, transitioned from a male to a female. They don't change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are deep uh, mental um, illnesses. You know, and 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 you know, we live it again in a fallen world with all kinds of illnesses and problems. And and even the government now will not allow. Uh, in certain areas, in certain states, in certain cities, will not allow therapists and 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 uh, and analysts or uh, uh, psychotherapists to walk with those children anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, ninety percent or so, ninety percent of 
those children who are uh, confused about their gender will, on their own, if you just walk with them over time, will come out and be comfortable in their own bodies, in their own gender. Yet, we are not allowed to do that. I mean, I know, I, I know a psych- psychologists who uh, had to move their practice out of a certain city or even out of a certain state in order to be able to uh, walk with these children. Now they're in certain states, they can only affirm. So if I come in with a confused child, I, that by license, they can, their license can be pulled if they don't go along with it. I mean, this is really devious right. um, so that the parent is even getting bad information and they're at, a, at a, a crisis point in their own life. So again, very important to talk about these things and to find, if you can, and certainly if you're a Catholic, uh, or Christian to find a Catholic or Christian um, psychiatrist or psychologist that will walk with you uh, and help you through these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things too that uh, we've we've kind of gone, you know, way down that path, bringing it back to the young girl who then came to her senses about you know she well knowing she would not be able to breastfeed and and just all the things that come into a woman's mind when they're contemplating motherhood. Um, Again, our culture has really distorted an understanding of motherhood and, you know, really, in in my view, um, looks down on many women who would choose motherhood, stay-at-home mothers, um, rather than a career, and bringing us back to what Pope John Paul was talking about, both in uh, Audience 20 and 21, where he says, fatherhood and motherhood are the human meaning of knowledge. So he's bringing us back to, we are all called to fatherhood and motherhood. Most of us biologically to be fathers and mothers, some of us spiritual fatherhood and motherhood. But he says a couple of really interesting things um, that I'd like to point out here in uh, paragraph two of 21, audience number 21. He says, the mystery of femininity manifests and reveals itself in its full depth through motherhood. And as the text says, who conceived and gave birth, referring back to Eve. And look how far we have strayed from that understanding of our full depth of femininity and the mystery of that connected with our motherhood. It's almost like, you know, our whole culture is saying, no, 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 it's exactly the opposite. That if you're somebody who just wants to be a mother, what's wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. There's that attitude out there. And so what we've lost so clearly is that women, of course, are different from men. And we know that our call to motherhood is very deep and it's, it's beyond just the physical, that there is that psychological, emotional, and spiritual understanding that we are being called to motherhood. When we actively fight against it, we find ourselves very confused and a lack of identity becoming a huge issue. And I think that the anger that you see, Linda, is is that frustration coming out, whether they know it or not. I know 
the anger, the vitriol now coming out of, from women um, when they get this twisted and distorted. I think it's really just a, a, um, a frustration of, of, the, of their life even, you know, that yeah. they're feeling. You know, uh, John Paul calls, the, calls it the feminine genius, which is at its essence, it's, it's, they're relational to the core that feminine genius is, and my wife, I know this from my wife, she's the glue that keeps all of these relationships together. You know, a, a, a man's just not going to do that in general. You know, we're not going to make the phone calls. We're not going to, look, we'll do it on occasion. Um, and and some men are better than others, right? We, we, we fall on a bell curve on this, right? right. There's not exactly. Sure. But in general, my wife talks, look, I have two girls and a boy. And my wife talks to both of those girls every day. Like not every other day, every day. And I think, what the heck do you talk about every day? My son and I, you know, and, and she'll say, you know, I haven't talked to, to Jake, our son for, you know, for two weeks. And for her, that's a huge deal. Like, and she'll ask me like after a certain amount of time every day, have you talked to, to Jake? Have you talked to Jake? Have you talked? And I said, you know, we talk about once a month and I said, we catch up on everything and that's yeah. plenty, you know, yeah. we're good with that. Yeah. And she in, but she's not going to, she's not good with that. And she's so much better at it than, uh, and, and this is common, right? I mean, this is right. in, in most families, it's the glue that holds it all together. Right. It, it, it's very much what you described. It's that way in my family too. I can remember my husband traveled when, when the kids were little, he traveled quite a bit. And I always look forward to the phone call that I would get at the end of the day, even if it had to be quick um, so we would connect and the the kids, um, you know, I'd say, you want to talk to dad and our daughter, of course, always would jump on it mm. and have something to say to daddy. And our son would kind of hang back and I'd say, you want to talk to dad? And he just kind of shrugged, you know, not all the time, but why don't you want to talk to dad? He goes, I don't have anything to say. And in his mind, well, dad had just left a day or two ago, mm. right? <laughs> so what was the big deal? There was yeah. nothing to say. Yes. And, you know, we need to accept that, that that is in part how, you know, on that whole spectrum, how it functions for men and women. And, and I think men should look at that and appreciate that and understand that. I mean, I understand that, that that's the glue that holds all this together. And without that, we would disintegrate, right? Our, our core of our family would disintegrate. Well, men have to have an appreciation of that. They have to acknowledge that. They have to know in their own identity and in their, their wife's uniqueness that she does this in a unique uh, a unique way. And she knows intimately things about those girls that I don't know about, right? Their feelings that day, their emotions, and who they are at a deeper level than I do. And that's a really a beautiful thing. Well, the more I start to appreciate her for those things, the more I get to know her and the deeper this love grows, this is a mystery again, you know, uh, but it's really a powerful thing and it's a beautiful thing and we need each other. And we, in and, and today's culture, when we have so many battles to fight, men and women have to really open their hearts up to, to God who fills them so that they can be filled with divine life and love and then, and then reciprocally share this. And this is what it gets down to again, this intimacy that, that Eve even said, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. You know, God is in our sexual intimacy. He's in these deep relationships. And if you exclude him, something starts to disintegrate. We know that, right? The mystery of evil starts to come in. 
men, uh, you know, their wife is, is, has a baby and, and now she needs some time without you. Uh, you know, it, it depends on, on the women, but she may need some time off between conjugal relations again. Right. And, and, and so these guys, instead of seeing her for who she is and, and talking to her and getting to know her better, they're not willing to sacrifice. So they open up pornography and then they go the opposite direction. Then the next time when they actually do have relations with their wife, now they're, they're, they're in their heart is this, is this lust now, and they're releasing lust instead of being a reciprocal gift. And you could see that this starts to take over people. Well, a woman knows that a woman can sense that. And there's a deep sense within her that says, wow, something has changed. You know, there's something. And I, and I know this from my experience because I know from people after talks, they'll come up to me in line sometimes and say, you said what I just said, basically. And I'll say, what can we do? Because that's my story. That's my story. That's my story. And, and they get this passed down to them sometimes from their own fathers and stuff and this brokenness in the culture. And now they want to know how to get out of it because they've been at this for years and it's almost yeah. ruined their marriages sometimes. You know. Well, as you were speaking, the image that came to mind is we were saying that, you know, the devil is going to attack us mm. at that level, at our fertility. He clearly does not want life as God does. And so here's a couple where they've had a baby now. And so I guess, you know, round one, the devil lost there, but he's going to keep pushing, right? And so yeah. now even after we have this beautiful mystery of the new birth, um, he's going to try to attack again. And you describe one way that it happens. You know, I've got a um, paragraph here that, really summarizes so much of what we've talked about. It, it comes from 1995 Pontifical Council for the Family and the document called The Truth and Meaning of Human Sexuality. It's a wonderful document for parents. It really helps them understand the church's teaching and how to uh, speak with their children and be the teacher's of their children on the issue of human sexuality. But here's just a couple of sentences to kind of put it all together. It says, ours is a society which is sick and is creating profound distortions in man. Why is this happening? The reason is that our society has broken away from the full truth about man, from the truth about what man and woman really are as persons. Thus, it cannot adequately comprehend the real meaning of the gift of persons in marriage, responsible love at the service of fatherhood and motherhood, and the true grandeur of procreation and education. Mm. And it puts it all there in one short little paragraph yeah, yeah. where and, we're at. And that document, by the way, if anybody's looking for that, that's posted to our website to under resources. Um, so if anybody's looking for that, you can see that document. It is a beautiful document. I just printed that off again. Uh, for myself, I haven't done anything with it, but I plan to to do so, a series just picking some of those things out because um, this is nothing new, is it? This that no. you know the you know the the attack on uh, marriage and the family and this twisting and distortion started right with Adam and Eve. But what's happening today, Linda, is through technology, science uh, with the pill and contraception, technology being able to push this out, mass media. Being able to push this garbage out on us, 
uh, has really taken over, and that and and those voices have gotten very very loud, and the voices that stand for what's true, good, and beautiful have gotten very very quiet, and and these attacks are um, are, are are really taking down family after family after family. When I when I'm done speaking, I I don't think there's a person there that doesn't want to say something about mm-hmm. some brokenness, either in, in their own relationship or in their family's relationship. It's really something that's happening and it's accelerating. So nothing new under the sun, except that the change comes in the acceleration of these tools that, that could be very good, right? You know, science and technology can be used very uh, for really great things and they've done great things. But on the other hand, there's so much evil out there and then, and then they can twist and, and, and decipher that. And, and if a person's not going to the sacraments anymore, if he's not praying anymore, he's just going to be filled with, um, with really eating out of the dumpster. And it's really a sad thing, right? We're, we're not protected against evil, I guess, at the end. Anybody that's listening to this, read Ephesians 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and you'll get a good sense of the attack that we're under. And uh, if you don't take it seriously, it's 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 a train wreck. I just wrote a newsletter, uh, finishing up a newsletter for next week or the week after, and and it's just it's it's called you know facing the train wreck, and and that's what it that's what it's all about. You know? Yeah, let's give our listeners some hope, Jack. Yeah, well, the hope is yeah, the hope is in our Lord. You know, the hope is just look at just two systems: the city of God or the city of man. Right. The hope is your your choice, metanoia. It's called right. It's a turning to to Christ and and uh, look at you know he God is God, and here you want some hope. Just picture yourself as David David and Goliath, and and when David saw Goliath, you know, just like all the Israelites, they saw Goliath compared to them and saw how huge he was. And the hope comes in because David looked at Goliath and saw how huge God is. And, and so God can protect us totally. If you read scripture every day, it's going to speak to your heart every day about, uh, about all of this stuff and protection. Right. The, Psalms, the Psalms are crying out for protection, Beautiful. right? And, 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 yeah. and this battle that we're under. So know that we're not on a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. Yeah. And the hope, of course, is, is uh, you know, Christ already won. But but yeah. unless we go there and ask our blessed mother to come into our hearts and and, and uh, then uh, then we're leaving ourselves vulnerable. So the hope is is prayer and the sacraments, right? And friendships. Yes. And, and and as the Pope said, you know, are we speaking of fallen man or fallen man who's been redeemed? Redeemed, yeah. See, yep. and yeah, what you described earlier—that's like a great picture of fallen man. It's pretty messy and pretty ugly, and yet redeemed man has all the hope in Christ. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, God bless you, Linda. Thanks. Great, Thanks, great being Dad. with you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everyone.